Medic! Hey guys and girls, brand new podcast, but not the regular Medic Up podcast that you've come to know and love through its whopping 10 episodes. This is a new podcast. It's going to be a solo podcast, and I'm calling it The Late Calls. Late Calls is going to be a weekly podcast, but it's going to be a little different from The Regular Medic Up, where I interview interesting people from healthcare and public service and so on and so forth. Late Calls is just going to be me. Uh, I'll be your host, Chris, professional potster, semi-professional shit talker. I'm going to be reviewing and commenting on various EMS and healthcare-related stories that somehow find their way repeatedly into my social media feeds each week. So if it's something that's been shared, reposted, emailed to me, slid into my DMs, retweeted on my or sent to my IG, my Twitter, my Face page, I'm going to present it up here. I'm going to break it down. I'll probably throw in my two cents. And I'm going to use late calls to kind of fill the voids between the normal Medic Up episodes where I do the interviews. Um, that way I can get some of these articles out here. And hopefully they'll get you to discuss with either your classmates, your coworkers, uh, your instructors, your supervisors, your partner, whatever. And just kind of, you know, have conversation, throw in your two cents about it. And hopefully you learn something from it or are just entertained by it. I don't know. Um, I absolutely welcome your feedback, your hate mail, your need for validation. Um, we're going to be posting this up on YouTube as well. So you, for now, you can go there and leave all your comments. I'm not going to turn them off. I'm not going to erase them. So, you know, let it fly. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm pretty thick skin. Been doing this a little while. So if you just go through YouTube, search Medic Up Podcast, you'll find us. Uh, soon, uh, we'll have a custom URL for that. If you guys head over there and subscribe, I get 100 subscribers. I get a custom URL, easier to find, easier to search, easier to leave those comments in that hate mail. So you'll be able to see the the stories that I talk about. Um, I'll kind of put them up on the screen for you. You can search them out yourself. I'll throw them in the show notes and link to them. If you want to read them yourself, if they didn't show up in your social media feed, uh, you can always check out the uh, audio-only podcast through iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, pretty much every other podcatcher out there. And uh, just remember, man, like, subscribe, share. Podcasts are really word of mouth. I appreciate the support so far. You guys are you guys are awesome. I appreciate reading your comments and seeing those uh, those podcast analyst analytics uh, change every week. So so let's get started. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, and like I said, this one this one has made the rounds quite a bit, and it's for the, probably the last three weeks. And I said, well, we're definitely going to talk about it. So this one is from the New York Post. Yeah, the New York Post. And it's titled, Mom Left Brain Damaged After the Cops Mistake Asthma Attack for an Overdose. And it was a uh, 54-year-old woman in Ohio, and she's left with some brain damage because uh, after it says after the cops mistook her asthma attack for an opioid overdose. So they gave her Narcan twice instead of responding to her breathing issues. And that's that's a statement from her family. Um, it says uh, about 1 a.m. October 14th of uh, 2018, uh, this, this woman uh, collapsed about 1 a.m. And her husband uh, called 911. So the 911 operator directed the family members to do CPR until the police arrived, but it doesn't say if they did that or not. So cop shows up and immediately asked, uh, what, what drugs was this woman could she might be taking possibly be taken and her son said she's not taking anything she just collapsed and so again you know two sides to every story and it says the you know the officer the, the way the family 
puts it out there is the officer kind of disregarded that, administered some Narcan, and, you know, the husband, her husband says, you know, he just watched uh, the officer there shaking her, calling her name, and he told his son, he's like, he's not doing CPR, why is he not helping her? He's just shaking her and calling her name, and then he even offered up, said, hey, uh, I don't know how to do CPR, but if you need me to help, I will. I'll do whatever you need. And the officer told him, hey, you know, I'm getting a response. Step back and made him kind of get out of the way. It says medics arrived 10 minutes later and the patient was taken to the hospital where she was diagnosed with an asthma attack, which prompted respiratory failure and then cardiac arrest. Um, It doesn't say if those medics are part of the fire department. You know, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with where they ha- where it happened, so I don't know. But it says uh, the police chief of that township told the paper his officers did nothing wrong. They may have even saved her life. And it said the the officer used two doses of Narcan, and he performed CPR for seven or eight minutes until the fire department arrived. So like I said, I don't know if the fire department brought the medics, if they're a fire medic department, or there was a separate set of responders. I don't know. Uh, and it says, you know, the family really contends that the cop should have done CPR sooner you know, obviously, instead of giving her the Narcan and assuming it was a opioid overdose. And it says if he would have done chest compressions instead of shaking her, then it says, I think she would have been okay. And that was a statement from the husband. Um, you know, they were worried about because the time that she went without oxygen caused the brain injury. That was from a patient's daughter. And she also goes on to say, I feel like because the heroin epidemic, they're starting to make assumptions. I would assume there are the cops. Um, and says, you know, I know she's not the only one. I'm afraid she's not going to be the last one. I think going into it with an assumption is that it's an, that it's an overdose sets set up is a setup for failure for anything else. Um, you know, so I mean, what do you, you know? What do we got here? Um, we got you know the patient collapses. They call nine one one. The cops show up. He gives some Narcan. He perf- the cop performs some CPR, and then either fire department or fire medics show up, and you know CPR is continuing to take the patient to the hospital. Again, you know we're we would love to read a patient care report that looks at the ROSC and you know rhythm, look at the rhythms and see what was really going on and what else they gave. We don't have that. Uh, from just this article, but that's you know that's okay. So I mean you know wh- you know this this is come this comes up quite a bit, and you know what's what what's happening here? You know we see a lot on the news now. You know uh, law enforcement Narcan is is a big deal uh, with the opioid epidemic in America, and you know that's it is what it is. Um, it is what it is. But you know what's what is it really here? You know the if you're not familiar uh, with law enforcement programs, you know, there there's a lot of state-sponsored ones, department-sponsored ones, grant-funded. Uh, you know, the cops are given Narcan, whether it's intranasal or uh, IM injections from the uh, the little uh, voice uh, voice prompted auto injector, which is pretty cool. And and that's you know, again, great. Glad you know they're obviously going to be faster than the fire department they're going to be faster than most ems systems and that's great to have them on scene but again you know it comes down to if you're a paramedic you know you have an entire pharmacology and cardiology typically module you know where you're learning about medications and complete drug profiles you have a good a good understanding of the uh, physiological process the pharmacodynamics and the pharmacology you know and you're trying to take that and dumb that down into typically, and I'm going to generalize, you know, there could be departments out there that get a weekend full of pharmacology, but I'm going to generalize and say it's between one and four hours of training, Um, you know, maybe a full day, six to eight hours of training on, you know, how to recognize an overdose, 
and how how to give Narcan, how to carry it. But it's I'm pretty sure they're not learning pharmacodynamics and you know how it how it acts as an opioid antagonist. And I think it it ultimately again overgeneralizing, but it gets dumbed down. If you suspect overdose, administer Narcan because again where where I am, our state changed the law um, to allow law enforcement to really not have too much accountability. It, it treats them as a good Samaritan for the most part, administering Narcan, where if they administer the Narcan and the patient dies, it's not their fault. If they don't administer the Narcan and the patient dies, it's not their fault. Well, card-carrying members of the fire EMS community, whether it's EMR, EMT, or paramedic, don't have that luxury because you've been trained, you've been certified, you have that certification card in your wallet. Um, so, you know, I think there's a there's a big disparity there. Um, and again, I've, I've seen calls where the cops have given four doses of intranasal, intranasal Narcan, um, you know, and it's just running out of the patient's nostrils. Um, patient's still unresponsive. And then, you know, you get closer and, you know, they're, they're, they're in cardiac arrest. Okay. So again, you know, Put the emphasis where the emphasis needs to be. Uh, you can t- I can teach someone to check a pulse, and, and you'll be good at it in five minutes. You know, very easy easy for EMS to sit here and say, you know, stay in your lane. This is my job. I don't show up to do your job. I don't come out to domestics. I don't put the cuffs on people. I don't recite state law. I don't recite traffic code when we're out on an MVA saying, oh, this guy violated whatever it is, paragraph and phrase that he needs to be cited for. I don't, we don't, we don't typically do that. I don't go to fire scenes and tell, you know, firefighters what the coefficient of friction is on their, on their five inch line. Cause that's not my area. That's I'm, I'm there to do rehab. I'm the first guy to set up rehab. I'm the first guy to sit there and say, you want me to help change air bottles? You know, that's, that's my limitation. Um, I really can't screw that up too much. I didn't need a lot of training. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, it absolutely sounds like I'm not a fan of law enforcement Narcan, and and I'm not. Um, and it's not mostly for the training reason. It's for the lack of the continuum of care because, and even on the EMS side, we know that, you know, there's some successful programs that uh, your overdose is administered Narcan and, and is allowed to refuse. Or you can give a loading dose, IM, and allow them to refuse and and there's there's been some good numbers from that, and that's fine. But again, it seems like you, know, you have a lot of people say, "Well, we're enabling." Uh, they know they're going to get woke back up, and they're going to get a second chance, third, fourth, fifth, ninth chance, and they're just going to go use again. And then there's others saying you need to force them; they need to go into rehab. And you know, again, legally, I don't believe you can do that. But there should be some type of common ground uh, where you know you should be transported, and there's something that should again, tons of state money and insurance money needs to be put aside, and you know how well that's going to work to take these people that we wake up and at least offer, you know, some type of some type of inpatient treatment. Um, it's not going to get any better. Um, and unfortunately for the missed or misinterpreted calls like this woman, um, I, this is this, I'll, I'll tell you right now, this was never a fear. Uh, my main fear was the, the cardiac arrest, not being able to recognize cardiac arrest um, or, you know, the the patient who needs a little bit more a little bit sooner than just squeezing liquid into their nostrils or uh, an IM injection in their thigh. But the problem here is, you know, you're going to have this woman and she's going she's gonna to have long-term disability because of this. Um, 
you know, you can sit there and rationalize all you want. 50% of all your asthmatics never make it to the hospital. Um, she did. And again, by luck, and she made it to the hospital and is going to come out of the hospital with brain damage uh, that she's going to have to rehab. It's probably going to shorten her life. And, uh, you know, again, because of, you know, whether it was misinterpretation, um, not a full understanding of the subject matter, um, you know, or, you know, however, it, however it's going to shake out. Uh, and it, it's just going to be, it's just, it's too bad. Uh, and it's something that I think we need to, you know, we need to lock this down a little bit better. All right, moving on. So this one, wow. This one, this one, this one. This one makes me mad, really mad. Um, probably a lot of spicy language coming up for this one. So there was a, the headline is that uh, it's coming out of Tennessee. And it says paramedic hurt patient on purpose, then bragged about it on Facebook. So actually, this is a, the end of a case from two years ago in 2016. Um, this guy was a medic in somewhere in Tennessee. It's uh, the way it's written. It says he intentionally drilled into a patient's bone without anesthesia, then told other first responders this was a teachable moment on how to deal with troublesome patients. Uh, the paramedic also instructed another first responder to insert a plastic breathing tube deep into the same patient's nose, but told her to coat the tube with alcohol-based hand sanitizer instead of lubricant, and then wrote on Facebook, it, in, this is in quotes, it says, if you should ever find yourself drunk in my ambulance, do not become belligerent. I have a drill, and I ain't scared for a second to use it. That is ridiculous. Straight up ridiculous. Um, you know, they, they pulled this guy's uh, license in Tennessee. And for good reason, you just can't have people out there doing that. That that person has no business being around patients whatsoever. Um, you know, it goes on. It just gives a lot more detail because, you know, it's typical he said, she said, uh, as a lot of this. But, I mean, if you really... If you really pick it apart, and again, I'm not looking at patient care reports. I'm just looking at what the the author of the, the piece wrote uh, and pulled from some records. Um, let's see. So this, this medic actually defended his actions and said his intentions had been twisted by state officials to inflate the case against him. And he said he was legitimately, legitimately attempting to help the patient by injecting the drugs into the bone marrow and clearing his airway, and that he was teaching these techniques to his colleagues, but someone had, in quotes, backstabbed him by reporting him to the authorities. So if you were trying to help, how do you feel you were backstabbed? I mean, what were you? Were you doing something wrong to begin with that you felt like you were betrayed, like you had to tell someone this never happened? Or my favorite, uh, what happens in the back of the bus stays in the back of the bus, um, you know, whatever. Uh, why would somebody report you if you were doing something right? It's like, hey, I want to file a complaint. Uh, my partner was awesome. You know, he was doing, he was, he totally killed it on that call. He did the IO like it, like it was his job because it was, um, I mean, what, I don't understand where you're coming from. He goes on, he says, huh, it's ridiculous. It was, this was a little witch hunt, uh, that they did off of a stupid Facebook post. Uh, he said, I was trying to teach them something. I don't know if they weren't interested in learning or they were trying to save their own skin, but needless to say, the whole thing came back and bit me in the ass. Um, I don't understand why teaching would bite you in the ass if you were doing it right. 
um, or if you were in the you were acting in the capacity of a preceptor or a mentor, um, if it comes back to bite you, it's like, hey, don't tell anyone I did this. Like, you know, you're doing something wrong, probably. Um, why would they need to save their own skin with someone investigating them? You were the medic on the truck. They were two AEMTs. You were ultimately responsible. You are the you are the highest certified provider. You are responsible for everything that happens on that truck from the minute you deploy to the minute you turning your narcotics. Um, ridiculous. It's, it's just ridiculous. So he says, um, he continues to defend himself. Um, it says, uh, you know, in, instead of drilling the bone himself or putting the MPA in himself, uh, he had the two less experienced emergency medical technicians do it under the guise of conducting a training drill. So it says, you know, they they were AEMTs. He was a paramedic, um, you know, and it says, finally, there's a state record, uh, on top of that, having lower certified providers performed advanced skills that they, they know they shouldn't be doing, and if they weren't students, shouldn't should have said something to the medic like, hey, we're not going to do that. It's not within our scope of practice. And it says this guy posted a picture of the patient during the IO injection on Facebook. I don't really need to hear anything else. I mean, why would you? You're fired. You're done. You're, you're done as a medic. Um, and then somebody... Uh, Someone made a comment about the patient that, oh, it's an obvious drug user on the Facebook post. Again, now you're just you're just disparaging patients. There's no need at all. No place. And then this guy responds to the Facebook post and says, nah, I actually like the drill and, in quotes, forgot the lidocaine for this. And then he called the patient some type of expletive. And then says, goes on to say, lubed his NPA with alcohol hand sanitizer too. And then like little smiley face using the colon dash sign and the parenthesis, the right parenthesis. Um, so if you're going to write that as like the little smiley face emoji type thing, you know you did something wrong. Like, haha, guess what I did? I showed him um, the forgot part when he puts the forgotten quotes. That's absolute sarcasm. Um, again, it's, it, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm the forensics investigator here, but I mean, come on, man. Um, and then the name calling. I, you know, I, I forgot the lidocaine bolus for whatever it's deleted in the, in the story, but it's, it's probably a bad name and your name calling. So those two things, the sarcasm and the name calling, you know, uh, that's it. Those are obvious signs of somebody with compassion fatigue. Um, he's treating, treating your, uh, your patient as an object straight up, um, straight up on that. Um, and then, you know, this, this guy is, in, I mean, let's face it, that smiley face, that is an, that is an admission that you did something wrong. You're like, ha ha, guess what I tried to get away with? I put hand sand, alcohol-based hand sanitizer, uh, on an MPA I and mean, you have to, and he's going to, I'm going to cover that in a, in a few minutes, but holy shit, who would have thought of that? I mean, you're like, hmm, alcohol burns when I have a paper cut and I put hand sanitizer on it. It feels like my hand is on fire. Let's put that in someone's nose. That's, that is, you made a conscious decision to inflict harm on your patient. Um, straight up, you're a piece of shit. That's the best I can call you. Um, you're a piece of shit. You have no, you have no business t treating patients, being near them, um, or at, in any capacity, in any capacity. So this dude keeps going on <clears throat> and... He says that he did he did admit to the state that he did make the post, but he dismissed it as what he called as ridiculous bravado and not really accurate um, of a re not an accurate representation of what actually occurred during the tr the incident. 
So this guy says, uh, they give some background about him. He's been a medic for 14 years, worked in Alaska, Florida, Hawaii, and Afghanistan. Um, he says he no longer works as a medic, um, but he wants his license revocation reversed because he has long-term goals of pursuing a career as a nurse. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to care for patients because you fucking don't care. You do not give a shit about people. Um you know, it's it is obvious, and you know some of you are gonna leave mail and be like, "Ooh, it was one time." You know, you you know you 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 put fourteen gauge catheters in the back of someone's hand before. Don't fucking lie to me. Listen, no, I haven't. Okay, no, I haven't. In fact, I had a training officer, my training officer, right out of paramedic school. She did that one night, uh, and I was like, "You're stupid. What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, it was a." Some 13-year-old little girl who uh, had uh, her parents went out and she was uh, drinking their booze and she, uh, she was just just wasted. Um, <clears throat> and we show up and, and my partner's like, I'm going to teach her a lesson getting drunk. I'm going to put a 14 in the back of her hand. And I was like, man, I really only thought we joked about that in paramedic school and behind closed doors and... It's not something that someone really does. Like, ah, the 14-gauge tattoo, the little dot it leaves. She's like, nope, I'm doing it. That'll teach her, again. That'll teach her to think twice. I said, she's not going to remember that she's drunk off her ass. You're stupid. Don't, don't, do, don't do stupid shit. And she's like, nope, I'm doing it. And I was like, well, it's your call. I'm going to drive. And you know, here I am, you know, two-month paramedic, talking shit to my FTO, going, well, she could get me fired, whatever. But I'm like, man, people really do that. Um, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. And again, what it, what did it what did it prove? She didn't need fluid. Uh, she needed a vomit bag and a and a and a trip to the hospital to sleep it off. You know, it's just stupid. Uh, you know, everyone and yeah, I'm sure everyone has kind of you know had to push on a hematoma to get control of your belligerent patient or you know whatever. This this is this also goes along the same lines of and I tell my students this uh, when you're checking for responsiveness, sternal rub is fine. Uh, I know the books are getting away from the. Uh, pushing your thumb up under the top of the orbit of the eye. And, uh, you know, my favorite has always been a pen across the, uh, what do you call it, the little lacuna of your uh, thumb and giving some pressure at the base of your thumb there, your thumbnail. Uh, and I said, look, you know, I, I've heard stories and, you know, I, I if I ever, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it, I guess, uh, the people uh, twisting nipples to uh, elicit a pain response. It, it's stupid. That's not clinical. You're just, you're, you're, I mean, you, you are listening a pain response, but you're not wrong. You're an asshole. That's just it. I mean, you're, I mean, in my eyes, you're wrong. That's not, that's not, there's nothing in a, there's nothing in a medical textbook that says do that. Uh, I've heard people uh, talk about flicking the eyeball too. You're, you're an asshole. You're, you're messing with someone's sight. Uh, to exert power over them, and it's stupid. Sternal rub works fine. Deltoid pinch works fine. Clavicle pinch works fine. The thumbnail thing works fine uh, and doesn't leave long-lasting problems. Um, you're here to help. You're not here to hurt. If you want to do that, you need to get out of my fucking profession. Bottom line, you know, you're, you're the people who are hurting this. So, I mean, just don't do it. I mean, you're above that. People, you know, you're always being told you're being held to a higher standard. Don't do that. Um, so this guy, there's more, I mean, this, this dude, there's way more this dude. Um, let's see, what else does he say? Oh, he says he, per he safely, he made sure that the IO was safely performed. Uh, he guided the hand of the AEMT through the procedure and just says the patient was more unconscious than was what was, than what was reflected in the record. So again, I mean, we're not looking at the patient care report. It doesn't say how much they, I mean, if he was that, if he was that uptunded, 
Maybe they need to be breathing for this guy if he he was an overdose. This guy was an opiate overdose as well. Maybe they should have been breathing for him. But then it gets a little confusing for me because they start talking. He, he makes a quote and it says, at this point, this guy was not going to die. So I thought it was a great training opportunity for these guys. Okay, so he's, he's more unconscious than the patient care report says, but he's super stable and I'm going to make it a teachable training clinic. I'm going to put on a clinic, whatever. Um, so it says after the bone injection, he told the, he told one of the AEMTs to insert the MPA. Uh, and then the, the, the ACAR questioned it and insisting the patient in this in quotes has a good airway. Uh, the medic said, well, I'll explain later, you know, so they put the lubricant the AMT starts to put lube on the tube and he stopped there and said, hey, use hand sanitizer instead. Again, not ever. Don't. Why would you do that? You have the right tool for the job. You knowingly use something else. You knowingly knew it would sting like a bitch. What's wrong? What is wrong with you? That's and that, I mean, he could have just said, hey, we're going to fucking hurt this guy. And here's what I want you to do to complete to accomplish that. That's that's what this man was saying. Um, so the tube had been coated in hand sanitizer. She inserted it in the patient's nose and then the medic removed it and tells her you're right it wasn't necessary and then told the AEMT that this was a teachable moment on how to deal with a belligerent patient so the belligerent patient that was super unconscious who took the IO who was more unconscious than the state chart let on so I, I'm very confused um you know I I don't un, I don't understand this was it was something it seems to me it was an unnecessary procedure it wasted time and it, it wasted time for the the main goal to inflict harm and pain on your patient um that's ridiculous that's i mean again in to me in very simple legal terms that is assault and battery that's stupid i mean you're you're a bad person um this guy says uh that's not right um the teachable moment was a comment in reference on how to deal with a drug overdose, not belligerent patients. He said he was teaching the AEMT that hand sanitizer could be used as an impromptu replacement for lubricant. Uh, he qu In quotes, it says, uh, I was taught that technique by an army surgeon in Afghanistan. Uh, and then he says, everybody thinks that's the craziest shit in the world, but it's actually not. Um, nobody fucking cares what the army surgeon told you or showed you. You don't work for him. You're not in fucking Afghanistan. Um, you work for your medical control, and I'm pretty fucking sure your medical control said, use a water-based lubricant. You're an asshole. The end. You are wrong, and you're an asshole. Um... I guarantee that there was KY on that truck somewhere for ET tubes and MPAs or Kings or LMAs or eye gels or whatever. Um, it ju it's just stupid. Uh, and if you disagree with me, again, I, uh, I appreciate your right to disagree. You are, And if you're thinking like, I'm going to try that, you're part of the problem. Um, so this dude lost his license in September. Um, done. No more. Now he lost. Now to be clear, I'm gonna throw it out there. He lost his Tennessee license. He, this guy, if you again, because National Registry is National Registry. If you look up this guy from on Registry's website, he has a clear Registry card until 2019. Um, takes a lot to get rid of a National Registry cert. Um, it it takes a lot. Um, so, you know, it, again, is what it is. Uh, so this guy, and again, he, it's one of these typicals, well, like I'm better than you and this is going to be a fuck you to everybody. This guy, he didn't even attend 
the the hearing where they pulled his fucking card. Um, he sent a letter to the state attorneys encouraging to make his license null and void. Uh, and he put it, here's his quote, I have absolutely no interest in working as a paramedic again. Please mark me as never being eligible to reapply, reapply in case nostalgia gets the better of me. State the state so it says states official or state officials interpreted the letter as Stokes encouraging a full revocation of his license, but Stokes now argues a null and void uh, finding is a lesser discipline than a revocation, which he says will prevent him from furthering his career as a nurse. Well, if you fucking ask me, that's a win-win. So fuck that guy, fuck what he did, and if it was me, the AEMTs would also be disciplined, not fired, but they would be disciplined for following him and not speaking up and not refusing to follow what they knew was wrong, Um, and if they say they didn't know it was wrong, a little remediation uh, in their state protocols and their and their service protocols um what a again it's been said i already said it uh what it's he's a piece this guy's a piece of shit i'm glad he's not around patients and and uh the way that that pulls that way that that turned out it keeps him from probably getting his nurse nursing license um so i mean just don't you can't do that you, you everyone has bad days um you know maybe maybe you took it out on a patient maybe you squeeze that deltoid a little hard um you know don't flick eyeballs don't twist nipples don't stick 14 gauges in the tops of the hands as for spite if it's the only place you got and that vein will take it and the patient needs fluid resuscitation or you're anticipating blood or something like that yeah do your job okay do your job do your job in the best interest of your patient be a patient advocate um don't 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 be a piece of shit I mean, go find a job where you can do that. Don't don't do it in my job. Don't do it in my job. And I'm not trying to take a holier than thou attitude. I'm just saying this. There's you know there's there's some there's a line, and this dude this dude made a conscious effort to cross over it. That's someone who thought about it. Oh, the army surgeon told me how to do this. Well, that's awesome. If you're in a fucking war zone and you know you don't have KY, I mean, come come on, guys. How many times have you put a MPA in without KY on? You know, I've heard people say, just use the blood that's coming out of their nose. You know, we've come on. You're, there's plenty of alternatives. Hand sanitizer is not one. We're getting hand sanitizer in the back of the truck. I mean, I know we have a little dispenser, but come on, man. Do the, do the right thing. Don't, don't, be, don't be a dick. Come on. All right, last one. We're going to get out of here. I think it's a decent first episode and, you know, like I said, guys, leave your comments. Leave your comments. If you want to email them in, you want to email um, medic.up.podcast at gmail.com for right now. And uh, that's going to be changing soon. The Medic Up website is going to be changing soon. Um, a couple more interviews are going to be coming out. The normal Medic Up podcast. So check us out on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Just search Medic Up Podcast. We're out there. You can find us. And when I say us, I mean me. It's just me. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for the support. And uh, we'll catch you on the next call.